WHHH-FM Indianapolis. It's time to take a look at what's going on in and around Indy. It's Open Lines, your eye on the community on High 96.3. Hold up. And good morning to you, Indianapolis. It is Sunday, January 10th, 2021. And we thought this week would be a little bit calmer. We asked, leave all that drama in 2020. That is absolutely not what happened. There is no shortage of things to talk about. If you heard the promo that's been running for the show over the past couple of days, I have to be honest, I didn't know what we were going to talk about on the show because every day something changed, something dramatic, something huge. And of course, our conversation this week will include talking about the invasion at the United States Capitol. Coming up this morning, Congressman Andre Carson, our congressman of the 7th District, will join us this morning at 8.30. He was inside of the Capitol and, of course, is on the Counterintelligence and House Committee, Intelligence Committee. But not only that, is among the United States representatives and senators who is ready to get President Donald Trump out of office right now with less than two weeks in office. They want him gone. Either resign or they are going to begin impeachment part two tomorrow. We will talk with Congressman Andre Carson live coming up this morning at 8.30. Uh, we will also drop by and have a little quick conversation with Indiana University, Indiana Wesleyan University. They are getting ready for their eighth annual MLK celebration. That's coming up this morning around 8.20. But first, we will start this morning with uh, the first of the year interview with Governor Eric Holcomb. I spent a part of Friday speaking with uh, the governor via Zoom. Uh, normally, the governor will do a one-on-one end-of-the-year interview. But if you go back to the end of December, which seems like two years ago, uh, the governor was in quarantine after having exposure, did not get, uh, was not positive for, for COVID, but did uh, test uh, did test negative, but uh, had to go into quarantine. So that canceled the plans that we had had for months uh, to do a end of the year interview that he was going to do with a number of outlets uh, throughout the state, as the governor always does. So this year it was miniature group interviews via Zoom. Uh, we had 30 minutes to talk with the governor and ask him whatever uh, we wanted. I had the pleasure of sharing that 30 minutes with uh, anchor and reporter Phil Sanchez from Wish TV and Tiffany Salome, a reporter and anchor from uh, ABC 57 up in South Bend. So we spent 30 minutes uh, talking with the governor. We each uh, shared, you know, kind of went around in, in the Zoom box circles and asked the governor our question. I'm going to play part of that interview this morning. We'll put it up uh, in its entirety uh, on our website and you can find it uh, anywhere you get your uh, podcast. So this morning uh, I got to ask the governor about COVID, uh, the deaths of Dr. Shanice Wallace and Susan Moore and does that speak to the issues Indiana is having with uh, women in hospitals, infant mortality, and healthcare issues, as well as mass transit in Indiana? The governor was quite excited about that. I'm going to play part of that interview. Everything we have today on the show, it's going to be a jam-packed show, as you can see. Uh, if you miss any of it, we're going to have it up uh, on our website, and you can also check it out later in the podcast if you miss any portion of today's show. Just look for it in the App Store or in the Podcast Store, whatever app you use to get your podcast. The Open Line Show is there. Just search Open Lines. For now, this morning, we begin with our uh one-on-three interview with Governor Eric Holcomb this morning on the Open Line Show. Governor, uh, Dr. Fauci is saying it could be months. We're talking fall 2021 before we are in some rate of normalcy. When do you anticipate what normalcy is? If, if that's no mask requirements or and, yeah. and no restrictions, what, what's your timeline? I, I anticipate it. I'll know it when, when I see it and when we're there but not until. There's so many factors that go into this that to answer that question with uh, 100% certainty would, uh, I think, be somewhat misleading because it would, it would suggest that I know of any potential mutations. It would suggest that I know when other vaccines will come online 
and really help us go from 80 to 70 to 60 to 50 to comorbidities and, and just open it wide open. And so when we down to 60 and older, um, that's, you know, that's, that represents 22.5% of our total population. That's good. And if a hundred percent of that 22% took us up on this, we'd get through it quicker. So uh, there's a lot of factors that the virus will dictate how quickly we get through. What I think I hear Dr. Fauci saying is be, be a patient when there's a lot of fatigue out there, me, me included. I, I, you know, if you would have asked me in last April or March or February, did I think this would go on for a whole year uh, knowing that we had a vaccine, you know, you, you might've got a different answer, but we are where we are. And what we need to do is make sure that we have the infrastructure in place. We do make sure that we have the capacity to accommodate with the resources that we have vaccine that we have to get it into arms, which we do. And, and so we're going to try to get through this as, I always say as fast as we can all the while being safe. And that will require to answer your question that will require people as Dr. Fauci suggests um, that will require us to, you know, be vigilant and practice these good public health measures. Um, and so, you know, I think we can pull off a March madness here in the, in the capital city, uh, March, April. Is that, will it look like normal? No. I mean, I, it, you know, we just know that we'll have uh, lingering effects of, of the COVID-19. And so what will it look like? How do we adapt? And then how do we accelerate out of, out of this period, whether it's um, spring, summer, or fall? We've had two black women doctors who've passed away in the past few months inside Indiana hospitals. Can you give us an update on your plan for infant mortality and other health care improvements that we could notice yeah. as soon as this year? And does the deaths of the two doctors, Shanice Wallace and Susan Moore, fuel you to make a change? And if so, why? Well, I think, I think any death fuels me. I mean, this is, this is the most painful part of, of um, this past year is um, knowing of the personal loss and the tragedy of what every family is going through when they lose a loved one. And, and I, I place, you know, priority value on every one of them personally. Uh, as one of the cases that you're referring to, I'm heartened at the least that it's um, being looked into and more formally investigated um, by the proper authorities, not it's 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 not under the state purview, but it's being thoroughly investigated. And what's going to be important about that is what comes out of it. Just like when we do our investigations, um, is being very transparent and letting the light shine on um, what truly happens, so that um, obviously, um, if if. If there need if there if there's a call for a remedy, then um, we don't waste time getting to that because we've already lost too much. But we'll continue. And then to answer your other part of your question, I mean, because it is a broader question, um, this is something I'm very personally uh, invested in. In 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 the meaning, we've seen what works. Infant mortality, as an example. Um, was, was one of those issues that a lot of people said, ah, there's just not much you can do about it. I mean, it's just, it's just hard. It's just going in the wrong direction. It's nothing state can't. And then in working with locals and working with local stakeholders on the ground, we learned, do we have, and I'm not trying to say we got this thing solved or fixed, but, but we turned this thing around and we started going not like this, but we started going like this and we got down to a record level, record lowest on recorded, in recorded history, 1900, in terms of infant mortality. And, and what that tells me is, if it's working, let's do more of it. And it, and it helped, this goes back to the first question, it helps me make my case that um, we need more resources. Could mean money, could mean money and people, could, it, 
it, it makes the case easier to be made that more babies are experiencing their first birthdays because of the partnerships that we've developed and stuck with over the course of, could be a whole year, not just nine months, but could be a whole year pre and post birth. And, um, and so, yeah, we're not slow down. This is going to be a priority as long as I'm drawing a breath. And, um, and the exciting thing is people are seeing positive results come out of it and they want to do more themselves. So it's my job to make sure folks have the resources to do just that. Switch to mass transit. Um, where do you stand on mass transit and interconnections between our Indiana cities beyond just the interstate? And this is a two part question. I'll, I'll give you the second part after you answer that. I'm all aboard. <laughs> um, I see it as um, beneficial. Um, I think talking about the future, um, in my mind, companies, whether it be Roche or Lilly or Emphasis or Salesforce or so many of our small businesses, Cummins, that, or that started out as a smaller business and became global uh, or an RV manufacturer or a, a, a you know, someone who makes hip replacements. Um, what folks, what, what companies of today and tomorrow are yearning for are, because we have a good tax and a regulatory environment, we, we have our location, we're in the middle of it all, we're in the heart of the heartland, but what are the quality of life amenities that we offer as well? And transportation oftentimes is the linchpin to not just getting to and from work or the grocery or shopping or um uh, but but also folks are able to more and more so because of the pandemic and the future being pulled up closer and sooner than ever before they're able to work from wherever some folks um and so we want to be able to accommodate that connectivity and mass transit happens to play a huge role we have uh, you think about this and and we'll go beyond roads um, we have the opportunity just yesterday, we announced that our federal partners have sent allocated another $173 million to double track the South shoreline up in the region. Um, that is a massive project. It's been single tracked for a hundred years. And so whether you're talking about buses or rail or trails for that matter, that's not, I mean, that's, not the typical mass transit, but what I'm trying to do is from the most micro project to the most, the mega projects out there and the, the rail projects we got going up in the region are two of the biggest in the country. Um, you snap all those pieces together along with our road network, the crossroads of America, along with access to affordable high speed internet, which will be reflected in my budget as well. Um, you know, Katie bar the door and, and, and they all, they all play into where people want to live, work, play, study, and stay. Well, I'm from Michigan City, Indiana, so I'm very familiar with the South Shore Line. Um, well, so. Yeah. I hope it goes beyond that, too. And by the way, someone else who's familiar is Pete Buttigieg. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that we continue to go on. Um, so uh, where, where do you want to go? I, he's got my number and I've got his. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me ask you this. It all makes too much sense. That train is successful. In fact, one time I took a train from Michigan City to O'Hare's using mass transit. I just wanted to see what it would be like. So yeah, it makes, it works. And it, it sounds like you say it makes sense. So here in Marion County, we have a ban on light rail. Only place in the country that can't have light rail. And it, and it sounds like you're telling me our lack of transit has been um, the one of the drawing lines in companies deciding we're not going to go to Indiana or Indianapolis. So what can no. we do this year to, to change that, to get transit up and running the way we see it in the northern part of the state? Yeah. Well, you, you have to have regional agreement and collaboration. It starts there. It's foundational. The state, what we try to always 
we try to be in unison and, and harmonious with our local partners. The thing that you know, if, if you're from Michigan City, then you know this better than I do, that over time, uh, we had to get those local partners down to the neighborhoods and the communities. I mean, you just can't just say, okay, this is going to happen because you want broad buy-in. And what is remarkable about up there is not just me sitting down with Congressman Visklowski, who, you know, had been working on this for decades himself and was right for decades. Uh, but what ended up happening was, yeah, there was some, some, some leaders that went out in front and I said, this is going to happen. We're going to do this. I'll stake my reputation on it. And he had been saying the same thing long before. And then others started to kind of come on board locally across that whole route from Gary to Michigan City or Hammond and Dyer when you're talking about the, you know, Westlake Corridor expansion. And so that's number one. That's key is to get, is to get the, the neighborhood, so to speak, um, on the same page and in agreement. Central Indiana is actually, I mean, when you look at the growth and development and companies coming, is is performing well for central indiana and it's not just because all roads lead to indianapolis but many interstates do and um go right through and and through here and so when you're talking about um cities and towns the the donut counties where population is moving to and from that's where uh and that's that's what i've expressed to our partners around us is let's get on the same page. And we've, we have actually received from our federal partners there too, some in terms of the, you know, the, the busing um, that was coming online um, funding for that endeavor too, to try to make ease of travel more efficient um, into the capital city. So I'm, I'm very open-minded about the most efficient way and safe and economical sustainable way um, for people to commute and, and we'll continue to be with our legislators upstairs who lord over me literally figuratively as well. Um, and, and, uh, and our federal partners. And that's just part of my conversation with Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb for uh, the beginning of 2021. Some of the things that we touched on COVID, uh, the doctors, uh, Shanice Moore and uh, Shanice Wallace and Susan Moore. And then, of course, uh, mass transit, which, as you heard the governor say, he is all aboard with. So um, that will spur another conversation that we're going to be having here soon about mass transit and a couple of bills that are out there at the state house to bring more transit options to Indianapolis. And another bill that at the same time, that first bill trying to get more mass transit is actually proposed by a Republican. And then there's another bill trying to uh, slow down mass transit and make it even more difficult for Indigo being proposed by another Republican senator. But that's a topic for another show because this show is jam-packed. I'm going to put up the uh, full interview that uh, we had there with the governor. And you'll also hear uh, Phil Sanchez from Wish TV's Questions and uh, Tiffany Salome from ABC 57 in South Bend. She was one of the voices that you heard uh, laughing there in the background uh, when the governor uh, made a little jokey joke there. So uh, thank you to the governor for allowing us to to do that uh, and uh, bring in 2021 with uh, some uh, discussions with him. More to come throughout the year. Uh, Congressman Andre Carson is coming up this morning at 8.30. I see the phone lines ringing, so I know it's going to be a hot show. But uh, at 8.30, we'll hear from the Congressman Andre Carson, who was in the Capitol uh, this past week when it was invaded by folks uh, who uh, turned out to do some deadly things. Five people have been killed. And now uh, the Congressman, along with his colleagues, are working on consequences and those consequences are going to be for the president of the United States and uh, it sounds like some of his uh, colleagues there uh, in the Senate and in the House. That interview coming up live at 830 with Congressman Andre Carson right now. Um, we want to switch gears real quick and check in with our friends at Indiana Wesleyan University who is uh, hosting its eighth annual uh, Martin Luther King celebration this week. Like so many things, it's going to look different uh, than 
It has in past years. And so to tell us how it's going to look different, but how they are still trying to do something normal in this year that's already proving to be far from normal uh, in the middle of a pandemic, but still honoring the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King is Robert Townsend, who joins us right now live on our live line. Good morning. Good morning, Cameron. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. So tell us. Really, really excited about this event coming up this Friday. Yes, yes, it's coming up quickly, uh, January fifteenth. What are you guys doing? Well, we made ended up making it a virtual presentation, so we have a number of artists that, uh, well, I should say, artists, uh, church churches from the area that feed into Indiana Wesley University from Indianapolis, uh, Eastern Star Church Choir. You have Light of the World Christian Church Choir, uh, Zion Global Ministries from Westchester, Ohio, and then one of our professors of music, Dr. Phoenix Park Kim, and they will be presenting music during this presentation, uh, pre-recorded uh, music. And then we also have from the city, Pastor Kenneth e. Sullivan, who's, who's an alum, and uh, Dr. Debbie Flickinger, and they will be giving a short spoken words and their experiences of having been influenced by Dr. King. So this is going to begin at 7 o'clock, and it's got music from uh, several of our uh, beloved choirs here in uh, Indianapolis, right? Absolutely. Who's on the list? Do you have that list? Yeah, Eastern Star Church and uh, Light of the World Christian Church from Indianapolis. So, and then for, Go ahead, go ahead. And then from uh, Ohio, Westchester, Ohio, uh, Zion Global Ministries, and then a professor— from Indian and Wesleyan University. So, you know, you've got this going on. This is like one of the normal things that happens every year. We celebrate the life and legacy of Dr. King. Um, how important was it for you guys to continue to still do this? Because you could have opted, we're just not going to do it this year because uh, we can't all get together. Let's let's take a break. Absolutely. Uh, just the fact of understanding that his mission and what he was put on this earth to do, there was no way we could not. Indiana Wesleyan University, first of all, the Christian University, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King not only was a fighter for freedom for all people, but was a pastor. So there's no way we could not put this program on and celebrate this. There's been a long history with WTLC, and we appreciate that. Um, Amos Brown received a, an award one year from this event. And uh, this year, the MC is none other than Dee Dee Gray, who was a uh, on staff there at WTLC. And she's also an alum of Indiana Wesleyan University. So we're really excited about being able to figure out another way to, to, to still celebrate this. Well, it, it's excellent. I'm glad you have Dee Dee. She's going to kill it as your MC. Miss her. Oh, yeah. Love her. Um, <laughs> as, as this... Uh, gets ready, you know, you, you, this is a Christian university is celebrating Dr. King on the backdrop of everything else that is going on. Does that also fuel how important it is to still do this? Because he's still fighting uh, for, we're still fighting for what he was fighting for. And of course now, uh, Senator Reverend Raphael Warnock, who was the pastor, who is the pastor of Dr. King's church is now yes. going to the Senate, all this in the same week. Yeah. It, it definitely is another, um, I would say, uh, thing that pushed us to continue to do this. It's, it's upon us now to continue the fight. It really is. And the fight shall continue this year virtually. Give yes, us the sir. details on where we can uh, check out uh, what you guys have going on to give us some sort of normalcy and maybe for some people uh, put it in, put it all into perspective on why there is still a fight for social justice. Absolutely. All you need to do is go to the website. It, uh, it will air on our YouTube channel. So endwest, I-N-D-W-E-S dot E-D-U forward slash events forward slash M-L-K. But on that website, uh, and just subscribe to the YouTube channel. And if you do that, it'll give you even... Um, the uh, day before, 30 minutes before the show's coming up, those are little uh, reminders. And again, it will be seven and then throughout the weekend. 
Robert Townsend, sir, thank you so much for starting your week and your morning with us here on Open Lines. I appreciate it. Thank you, Cameron. All right, you have a good one, and good luck, and shout-out to D.D. Gray, who we know is going to be a great uh, MC and host uh, for Indiana Wesleyan University as they host uh, their eighth annual Dr. MLK celebration uh, coming up this Friday at 7 o'clock, uh, and you can find that information also on our website. Congressman Andre Carson is around the corner from joining us on the air uh, let me see. We've got 825. I'm going to have to take a break in a moment. But I tell you what, let's get the phones have been ringing uh, this entire time. We've been talking for the past 25 minutes here on the air. Let me try to take one or two calls before we go to break and bring the congressman on the other side. Uh, call me 317-239-9696. 317-239-9696. That's the number to get on the air. Let's see who this caller is right here on line one. Good morning. You're live on the air. Who's this? <laughs> Hey, Cameron, how you doing this morning? I'm good, my man. You got a minute. What's on your mind? Well, what's on my mind, I would like the governor to come on TLC so we can ask him questions instead of him uh, being doing these interviews this way. Secondly, uh, I know y'all going to think this is crazy, but Donald Trump really did the black community a favor. And these wasn't just a few different people from organizations. All of those people were white. They were white. They think that they own this land and owned us. They did that. They did that and planned that and everything. Nobody's in jail. And then everybody knows that if it was a black organization like they've been doing in the past, killing us just for simply standing up, and here these people are inside the Capitol building, and all of these people that were in, inside the Capitol, we got to just understand that these white folks think that they are the ones, the chosen ones or whatever, and they are the ones that are the true terrorists on this planet. They have plagued this planet, and I'm getting sick and tired of people coming on, pussyfooting, talking about it. They don't even want to say they race. They don't even want to, they don't want to say they race, but when it's black, they want to say black. Well, I'm going to say white. And then one other thing before I go. It is, the, it is the slave masters and slave owner that put this Christianity and this Jesus thing on us that is not real. You guys need to research your history and stop serving these people, okay? Because these people mean us no good whatsoever. If it ain't their way, and the only way they deal with things is killing other people, okay? And y'all need to wake up to this fact. It's a fact. So that's my comment for today. And again... Donald Trump did us a favor by showing us what white folks really think about black people here in the United States. Have a great day, Cameron. All right. Thanks for calling in, man. You have a great week and you've teased us up for uh, our next topic coming up here in just a couple of minutes is our live interview with Congressman Andre Carson, who was at the Capitol, who was in the building when all of this went down uh, from the outside, you know. It got bigger and bigger and bigger, and some folks seemed to know exactly what was going to happen because it was wide out there on social media. The details and the duties of what was supposed to happen that day were right there in plain sight. How was that missed or was it ignored? The person who's going to have a great answer to that sits on the House Intelligence and Counterterrorism Committee. He's Congressman Andre Carson. He'll be calling in any moment. For now, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with the Congressman and continue to take your calls for the rest of the show on this uh, invasion at the Capitol that turned deadly. More on the Open Line Show is coming up after this. We want to hear from you, your thoughts, your views, your voice. We are your eye on the community. It's Open Lines on Hot 96.3. Let's get back to Open Lines, your eye on the community on Hot 96.3.
Good morning, Indianapolis. We are back here live on the air at the Radio 1 studios of 106.7 WTLC and Hot 96.3. We have had a full conversation this morning about a number of things. We thank the governor for coming on and uh, Robert Townsend with Indiana Wesleyan University as they get ready for their MLK celebration this weekend. Uh, But I got to tell you, the person who I've been most anxious to talk to for the past couple of days has been none other than Congressman Andre Carson. As I said, he was inside the Capitol when that invasion began on Wednesday, and he joins us right now live on the Open Lines Live Line. Congressman, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you could be here because um, I first want to know, how are you doing and where were you in that building when this all went down Wednesday? Uh, I'm I'm fine, thank you. I had just left uh, uh, Congresswoman Beatty's office, who is the uh, chair of the Congressional Black Caucus, and I went to my office to do a Zoom with the Black Caucus, and um, I was informed by a Capitol Police officer to stay in my office, and after that I received alerts and um, what ensued happened, but I happened to be on group text with a lot of my colleagues who were ushered away uh, into various rooms. Of course, some of us were in our offices, some people were still at home, uh, got to the to work early and uh, it was just just a lot but i could see out my window a lot of the insurrectionists as well but uh very unfortunate i think we've been supportive of these investigations i'm urging the fbi to pull all surveillance video uh to conduct a uh, conduct a thorough investigation scene who was in concert and who allowed this to happen from law enforcement to to personnel to even members of Congress. Congressman, I don't know if if on the media side, if we always do a good job of explaining when we've hit an extreme. I think so much over the past four years, especially we've tried to, you know, try to, yeah, you know, this is the normal or the new normal, whether it be politics or, or, or COVID. COVID is one of those extreme things. That's a pandemic. That's it's 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 crazy. This folks getting inside of the Capitol is not something that I ever thought would happen. And I don't say that lightly because I always thought the United States Capitol building was one of the safest places in the world with all of you guys inside of there, the vice president inside of there. If it's a state of the union address, the president is also inside of there. And then I see pictures of, of from your colleagues with them um, putting furniture against the doors to keep themselves safe. So, one, could you speak to just how um, not normal and far across the line it is to get inside a building with all of our top secrets and representatives in that building? And then is, I thought, I haven't been in the Capitol, but I thought it was safer than you guys having to barricade it with chairs and couches. Well, it's... Um it's traditionally safe. Um, I think uh, that's why we're calling for an investigation because when you had Black Lives Matter protesters in Washington D.C., mm-hmm. uh, we've all seen the the the, 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 the photos online where uh, the contrast is pretty stark in terms of the preparation and in terms of the excess <laughs> with law enforcement and and military personnel there for. Black Lives Matter protesters, but when you have these insurrectionists, um, uh, you didn't have the same levels of security or the same levels of concern. So I think it speaks to the historical racism in our country uh, and the history of privilege in our country uh, and the assumptions, the assumptions that being black uh, makes you more of a threat and being white makes you all right. There, you know, this was not just a, a, a protest that got a little rowdy. And, mm-hmm. and and at the beginning, you know, the live pictures, most of the cameras that we were seeing were from outside of the building. And we couldn't see uh, what was happening in the hallways. We could see inside of the uh, the House floor and the, and the Senate floor from the pool cameras from C-SPAN. But we couldn't see that in between. And in between the House floor and outside with the news cameras was 
death and destruction. We have five people who have been killed, including a Capitol Hill police officer, uh, Brian Sicknick, who was attacked and hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. These folks, we've seen pictures uh, with one guy who's now been arrested with zip ties. We've seen video uh, now that we didn't see then on Wednesday as it was happening as these folks with their Trump gear uh, saying that they were going to hang Mike Pence, chanting hang Mike Pence. So this was not just a a, um, a little something, something outside. They got a little rowdy and they got up the stairs and were in the hallway. They were uh, not were people died. So. As a person who was in that building, were you afraid for your life? Because I'm wondering, had they got you guys and I and you guys were not even far off that house floor before they got in there? What would have happened if they would have got their hands on you or one of your colleagues or the vice president? Yeah, I was certainly um, concerned, even as a former police officer, I think I was a bit comforted given the the. the um, the security I had just spoken to who were, were, were nearby, uh, even though I was in my office by myself for several hours, um, I was certainly concerned even about, uh, making it back home. I think, um, you know, we were advised to take off our pens and, 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 and to, um, you know, take off what would identify us noticeably as members, ties and et cetera. Uh, but I think I was, I was more so, uh, disappointed uh, in the lapse of security, uh, in, the, in, in the lapse of judgment, and uh, the, uh, the fact that there was a, uh, a smaller but similar experience to this literally a decade before me, John Lewis, and, and other members of Congress, Emmanuel Cleveland, and, and others, who were met with an angry mob during the Affordable Care Act debate. And uh, this same sentiment, this same energy, this same mindset was there uh, in larger numbers a few days ago. And I think it speaks to a president, a wannabe demagogue, uh, a wannabe autocrat uh, who would use social media platforms, uh, unable to take defeat, would still attempt to rile up his base, uh, his acolytes, his followers, to storm the Capitol. Uh, I think it meets the sedition test. I think it's unpatriotic, and I think that the president uh, should be impeached and removed from office immediately. We've got a couple of minutes left with uh, Congressman Carson this morning. I promised I'd keep him for 15 minutes. So now let me give the invite to call and talk directly to your congressman. What do you want to happen uh, with our country, uh, Indianapolis, Indiana? Now's the time to ask Congressman Carson, 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. As you dial that phone, I will ask you to stay on topic about what is going on so you can ask the congressman or, or make your comment to the congressman. So let's stay on topic and then we'll go back to everything else. 317-239-9696. So, Congressman, to you, as the phones already start to ring, um, What's the plan of action? Are are you for the 25th Amendment? Are you for impeachment part two? Or um, are you going to pressure the president to resign? Well, I'm, I'm invoking the 25th. It would require cooperation from the cabinet, especially the vice president. Um, I think that uh, he'll he'll stall it out. Uh, but I, I, I do expect, as I mentioned earlier, thorough investigations and prosecutions of the perpetrators of the attack. Um, I, I expect you know, federal and local prosecutions. So it wasn't a spontaneous thing. I, I do think impeachment uh, is the way to go. We saw how much damage, absolute damage, that he can incite in just one day. So we can't afford to let him stay in office even for two more weeks. He's a danger to our country and to the safety of all Americans. He knew exactly what he was doing yesterday, and he wanted to incite violence. Well, so, of yeah. course, we got to mention that he wasn't alone. Uh, he had your colleagues, Senator Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, uh, who was also a part of it. Of course, our own um, Senator Senator Braun was a part of the movement to go against the elector. Senator Braun, by the way, changed his mind and, and did not— 
participate after the invasion happened. We also did reach out to Senator Braun's office to invite him on the show. We did not hear back. So, Congressman, what do you want to see happen to Senators Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and others like him? Well, I think that uh, if, 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 if they meet the sedition test, I think that they have to be dealt with appropriately. Um, I think that we have to look at all options on the table. I think we have to look at those who uh, empathize and sympathize with President Trump and who, in a very cult-like fashion, followed him blindly, even willing to risk their own careers. They should be dealt with and made examples out of as well. Let's go to the phones. 317-239-9696. 317-239-9696. Caller on line three. Good morning. Who's this? Hello. Hello. You're live on the air. Yes, I like to ask the question. I'm I'm concerned about what happened on Wednesday, with everybody's life being put in jeopardy. Not just Republicans, not just Democrats, the whole party. Why are they still so supportive of this man who did not care about their lives and their families at that point in time? That's a great question. And it's if a any, great question. And if anyone has an answer to that, call in. Thank you for the call, Congressman. What do you think? I think Donald Trump speaks to their fear. He speaks to their their vitriol. I think he speaks to OBS, many of them who have anti-black sentiment, anti-Jewish sentiment, xenophobia, uh, as I said, Islamophobia. I think he speaks to their feeling as if their America is being taken away from them. He represents a restoration of um, uh, white nationalist principles. And, and white supremacy. When he talks about making America great again, he's obviously speaking to a group of people who feel dispossessed and displaced. Let's go back to the phones. 317-239-9696. Caller on line one. Good morning. You're live on the air. Who's this? Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? It's Mayhem. Hey, I know you're talking about this, but that that happened here. So what are we going to do about the leadership here? Because uh, you have thrown some very strong accusations when all the evidence not out yet. You say you need to investigate the whole thing. It was, you said it was pretty well planned. Uh, it seemed like it was the inside job. Um, they let them in there. So uh, can we talk about that? What about the leadership here, Congressman? They tore downtown two days. Two people got killed. No one's talking about it. Radio One's not talking about it. No one's talking about it. What are we going to do about the leadership here, uh, Congressman? And uh, the guy on the phone, thank you. I spoke to um, a representative, uh, Robin Shackelford, as well as Chair Representative Taylor, Senator Eddie Melton, about um, uh, attacks on the state house and, and, and legislators' lives being threatened. Uh, they've informed me that they've spoken to uh, the superintendent of state police about increased security and addressing a lot of these matters and issues. You know, I believe in working in concert and making sure that our local leaders get the federal money that they deserve, and, and I'm fighting for it. But uh, they've assured me that uh, this is something that they're working on, and I think that we have to make sure that uh, we're, we're working with law enforcement as well as our local community leaders to bring attention to these issues and, and, and atrocities. I think it's very dangerous, though, Uh for some reason, we tend to want to live in fantasy land as a society. Uh, I, I, I tend to believe sometimes that truth is stranger than fiction. All of this foolish talk about crisis actors, and this was staged, is ridiculous. Uh, you might as well believe in the Easter Bunny or, Chris, or, or Santa Claus. Black people have a history of being too spooked out and too spooky, and we want to live uh, and believe in fantasies. I think that a lot of these foreign entities, be it the Russians, the Chinese government, state actors and non-state actors, deliberately inject misinformation into our communities first and especially to neutralize us, to have us fighting against each other, and to uh, uh, take away our political power so we can't leverage our vote and our voices to not only hold elected officials accountable, but to see the political power that we have. So... The misinformation that's out there and the fact that there are elements who are against black progress would help to solidify and spread misinformation and we eat it up, I think that they have capitalized on our very horrific history of slavery and our inclination to believe in fairy tales. Let me take another call, 317-239-9696. Caller on line two. Good morning. Who's this? Uh, 
probably a good observation. How you doing, Andre? <laughs> the, the, the one and only, the professor himself. How are you? Hey, listen, one thing I want to ask about, and it's very important, mm-hmm. what about our reparations? I mean, there's a mm-hmm. lot of sidebar conversations going on, yeah. but that was one of the main issues most people voted on. So I'd just like to know, what's your view on reparations? Do you think we can uh, get that right now while it's a hot issue? Thanks, Andre. Thanks, Larry. Thank you. Thank, thank, thank you, Professor Larry. You know, um, it, 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 it's something that I, that I support. I've supported since I've uh, been, in, been in Congress. Uh, I'm on Sheila Jackson's uh, H.R. 40 bill, uh, reparations. Uh, I, think, I think the challenge probably would not come uh, in terms of support from the Congressional Black Caucus, uh, the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, I'm going to speak for them uh, in, this, in this moment, uh, and certain members of Congress, I think that I think the the the, the, the persuasion would have to probably uh, be done with those members of Congress. I think who represent communities, uh, and and this is from their own mouths, who are already uh, struggling uh, financially, uh, and they would have to be convinced because there are folks in their communities who feel as if they're suffering, why should we give blacks reparations? I think reparations is so important because it speaks to the damage, the absolute damage that has happened as a result of slavery. I think this is something that Joe Biden is going to have to speak out on. I think that, I, I, I think it should be one of his early agenda items. Um, it's not just a symbolic act. It's a restorative act. Reparations is absolutely critical. I think if we're dealing with the rise of white supremacy, uh, we know that slavery is America's original sin, along with taking land from Native Americans. Um, You have generations upon generations of Africans and their descendants, quite frankly, uh, who, who helped build this country. And not only have we helped build this country, Laws were created to keep us out of what we built. And I think reparations is a start in restoring the healing, the hurt, and the pain. Some people say, well, that was hundreds of years ago. Yes, but we're still really from the effects economically, socially, institutionally, and obviously politically. Congressman Carson, thank you so much. That's uh, I promised I'd keep you within a window. I assume you've probably got something to do at, at, at yes, 9 sir. o'clock. So thank you so much for uh, coming on uh, this morning and let, letting us know uh, what's going on. So stay safe. We've got the inauguration coming up. We've heard some there are some other threats out there already. So please stay safe. And uh, as we go to break, as you have... Um, uh, you will now have the control of the House and the Senate and the White House from our yes. text club. I've just got a couple of texts asking <laughs> you to, uh, one, uh, handle those student loans and two, mm, get those $2,000 uh, checks out there rolling from the text club there. We are going to press Biden because he said the other day that's one of the things that he wants to do. Some people are already getting their $600 checks. We're going to hold him to speak to the fire and get those $2,000 checks out. I think we can't be abstract this time. We have to be direct. People don't care about subsection A of this or that. They want to know a clear message. Are they getting their money? Are we going to maintain Social Security? Are we going to do an infrastructure bill? And are we going to keep Americans safe? And I'm going to fight to do it, my brother. Thank you. All right. We appreciate it. We need those checks because we all have bills to pay. And so do we here at Radio 1. We're going to take a break and come back (laughs) with more of your calls until 9 o'clock. Congressman Carson joining us live. Thank you, sir. We'll be right back with more of Open Lines after this. Let's get back to Open Lines, your eye on the community on Hot 96.3. And we are back here on Open Lines with just four minutes left in our show. Jam-packed show. Lots of callers. The phones are still ringing. Let's try to see how many calls we can get in. I'm going to give everybody 30 seconds before we wrap up in four minutes. Crazy, crazy week. And who knows what this week has in store. With four minutes left in the show, I will cut people off this morning because we have to go at 8.59. Uh, but the phones are still ringing, so I wanted to do a little more. Caller on line one, who's this? This is Guy. Guy, what's up? You got 30 seconds, my man. Happy New Year to both of you. Just wanted to say, 
it's not just uh, Donald Trump we have to worry about. He has a lot of enablers. A lot of them are in the media, broadcasters that are enabling and have spread these lies to people. That's what we need to target next. All right. You are right about that. That's how partially he got here because he was good for ratings. We'll talk about that on another show. Let's go to the next caller on line two. Good morning. Who's this? Hello? Going once, twice, you're out of here. Caller on line three. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, good morning. Good morning. You got 30 good, seconds. Hey, I've got a good, good question for that uh, reparations. Uh-huh. You know, why don't they, uh, uh, they're going to have to decide to do that as far as age-wise, but why don't they give everyone A1 credit over 25 and give them $10,000, and you'll watch this economy take off. That would be something. I also think uh, one of the greatest uh, stimulators to the economy would be getting rid of everybody's student debt. I know the congressman is gone, but his folks are still listening. I'm sure they're taking notes. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, Caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? Yeah, how's it going? This is Troy. Troy, 30 seconds, man. Great show. Thank Uh, you. Your two two interviews were very controlled and micromanaged. I I still see that your leaders got a taste of Jim Jones on their mouth. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, okay. We've got two minutes left here uh, as we get ready to wrap up. 317-239-9696. I'll let you get your final thoughts in if you do it short, just like uh, those guys uh, did. A lot happening uh, this week. And wow. Uh, again, if you missed any portion of the show, uh, you will be able to find it in the App Store or whatever podcast platform you listen to. Uh, All of the shows are there, and this one will be uploaded and added uh, in about 30 minutes. So you can take that wherever you go. Just search for Open Line Show inside of your uh, podcast uh, store. Uh, We're also going to put up the full interview from Governor Holcomb that I I got to split time with with uh, Tiffany Salome from ABC 57 in South Bend and uh, Phil Sanchez from uh, Up the Street uh, at uh, Wish TV. So we got 30 minutes with the governor to talk to him about a number of things. Uh, One of the things that's on my radar this week is mass transit. That was one of the things I asked the governor about, and uh, it is going, there are a couple of bills. One that would add a railroad commission so that we could have uh, mass transit going from city to city. So you could take a train from uh, Fort Wayne to Indianapolis if you want. That's being proposed by a Republican senator. But at the same time, another Republican, uh, Mr. Freeman, is trying to put the brakes on another effort with Indigo, trying to make it more difficult and add another hoop for them to jump through to get more mass transit. That would put the brakes on the purple line and the blue line. So be on the lookout for that. And if you get a chance, keep an eye out for what these folks are doing over at the Capitol. All their bills they're proposing are available online. You can look at it, and that's what I'm doing, and we will have more on that next week. Also next week, IMPD Chief Randall Taylor will join us live here on the Open Line Show. He is already confirmed, so get your questions ready for the Chief. If you're listening to us here on Hot 96.3, more music is on the way. If you're listening on WTLC, Al Sharpton is just seconds away. Thank you to the governor, thank you to the congressman, and thank you to Robert with I Indiana Wesleyan University. I'm Cameron Riddle. More of the Open Line Show is back next Sunday, live at 8.